See Sweet and Sour, powered by Align, the podcast where we talk about the sweet and not-so-sweet sides of leadership. Hi, everybody, and once again, welcome to See Sweet and Sour. I am very, very privileged to be here with Dr. Chit Renand. How are you today? I'm amazing, and I'm delighted to be here with you, Philip. Thank you so much. Quick bio, and then we're going to go right into it. Yes. Dr. Chitra Anand is an award-winning communications and marketing executive with over 20 years in the, in the technology industry. She has spent time as the Chief Brand and Communications Officer for Microsoft Canada, Director of Marketing at TELUS Corporation, and Director of Operations at Open Text. Chitra is at the forefront of an important movement, movement in, the work, in the workplace, intrapreneurship, which we're going to talk about, which I'm super excited to talk about. Mm-hmm. Her writing has been featured in the Globe and Mail, which is kind of like the New York Times for Canada, I guess, uh, and the Huffington Post, and teaches several courses at Humber and Sheridan College. Chitra has authored a book, The Greenhouse Approach, How to Cultivate Deliberate Innovation in Organizations, which is now available on Amazon. This book is now a main source of reading for the Forbes School of Business MBA program. Incredibly impressive. Thank you. Chitra. And one other thing for everybody here to know. Chitra and I have worked together in the past. We have. I'm very privileged to do that. And uh, and it's great to have you on this podcast. Thank you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. We always have great conversations. So this is going to be good. Yes, we do. Now we're gonna, now it's going to be official. Now everybody will know that we have great conversations. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of wanted to, I really wanted to dig deep into this entrepreneurship. It's something that I truly believe in. I see myself as one more than an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And once we, once we start hashing it out, people, people are listening, will understand. And I just, I like the fact that I am not a founder, like mm-hmm. at least right now in mm-hmm. my, where I'm in my career and I like building within the company. So mm-hmm. Chitra, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. It's a really interesting comment that you made because I feel like there's this, people are drawn to the allure of being a founder right now. Like over the last five to seven years, Philip, it's like everybody wants to be a CEO, a founder, you know, in this whole startup culture that we're having. But what we failed, I wouldn't say it's a failure, but there's huge opportunity inside organizations. And I, and you know this about me, like I grew up in these big complex companies. Like I spent 10 years at TELUS, which I spent, you know, sort of, sort of my most critical foundational time, you know, developing my career there. I grew up there. And then I spent five years at Microsoft and a few years at a software company out in Waterloo. And you can be an entrepreneur inside companies. And so I think people forget that. And people, and that's sort of why I did the dissertation is that it led me to a place of, hang on, you know, all of these companies, and this is like before you know, innovation was this hot term, right? Like this big buzzword. And, you know, when I was there, part of my observations, and I'm sure you can appreciate this, or please comment on it, is if companies are going a certain direction or strategically focused somewhere else or doing something, and I always like ask questions around like, why are we doing what we're doing? And can we do, can we do things differently? And can we exactly like, why are we doing that? Well, because we've always done it. Well, what do you mean? We've always done it. Well, why not Mm -hmm. change direction or challenge the way we've currently done things or challenge the assumptions based on what we've created? Like, why don't we force ourselves to do that? And there was never really this big desire to do it, but I always found these pockets of people that I said, like, you know, for example, tell tell us, you know, you know, why are we creating our account plans to really create more business opportunities for our customers? Why are we creating them in a certain paradigm? Why don't we try and lead with a problem-solving mindset? And that way, the conversations become more uh, organically and naturally engrossed with the client. So you have a deeper purpose in why you're cultivating or, you know, selling and upselling uh, solutions within the organization. And it's like reframing what you're doing. And that is a form of entrepreneurship, right? And and so I started to go down this path and this journey. That's just how I always continued to operate. And then I said to myself, I want to make a contribution. I want to make a contribution because I believe these companies have tremendous opportunity. I believe that the people that live inside these organizations want to create something really cool. They're builders like you are, like you're a builder. You want to, you want to create, you want to break and you want to, you want to, you, you want to fix things and you want to build and you want to experiment and you want to try and you want to fail. And you want to do all that stuff. 
but you want to do it from the inside. And that's yeah. totally cool. And that's okay to do. And that really led me to this journey of writing my dissertation. Hey, C Sweet and Sour listeners, it's Haley here from Align. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I just wanted to jump in with some exciting news. We have a new limited time promotion for listeners. You can get 10% off your first year of the Align software with the promo code NOTSOUR10. Align is a strategic planning and execution management software designed to help businesses achieve their goals faster. To get started, go to aligntoday.com slash demo and complete the form to book your demo today. Again, the code is NOTSOUR10. Now back to the episode. We can, we can talk about me specifically because obviously I'm here uh, and I know what I like doing, but I'm okay with the founder, the CEO, whoever it is. Yeah. Like, you know, some people I think, oh, they're making money off my back. I'm perfectly okay with like, it's, yes, it's the wrong kind of mindset, but I'm perfectly okay with that. Yeah. The reason why I'm okay with that is because I don't believe I'm in a position yet to be at that level. Mm-hmm. and while I am, uh, you know, while I'm letting others, you know, make more money because of my, my ideas, which I'm, which, which, you know, they, or, or my innovation or me doing things to help the company, I'm learning as well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting different kind of reciprocation, which might not necessarily be a monetary one, yeah. but I'm perfectly fine with that. Now, you can get into there's there's you know getting equity and and stuff like that and, and you know you maybe in, down the down the line you might get that that nice big that nice big amount, but I want people to understand that it's okay not to be a founder. We have to remember ninety percent of companies fail, right? Yes, yes. Um, why not? I, 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 my father used to use this uh, expression a lot: uh, shave off of others' chins. Right. Like don't shave off yourself. Learn from other people's mistakes. Learn, learn on other people's, learn on other people's backs as well. Right. Maybe they're making more money than you. Yeah. But you're learning by, by doing that. And I think that that's something that a lot of people are, are, are missing yeah. and understanding. Well, it's, you said a couple of things. I don't, you said something about yourself. You're not ready for that level. I would disagree with that. Like okay, you're always you. ready. Like you're a brilliant person. So what I, what I think is interesting is we are, People become enamored with the label of founder, right? Like yeah. what you could be a founder internally, quite frankly, if you're yeah. the, if you're the pioneer of a new program, initiative, product, or way of doing something, you're a founder in your own right mind within the company, right? So it's how you define that term. And so we've become sort of, you know, look at, look at our, the world that we're living in right now, the rise and fall of founders, right? They're not the best examples that we have in terms of how to run businesses. Yet we have this, we romanticize this whole idea notion of being a founder, right? So the opportunity that we have within companies is you have resources, you have talent, you have skills, you've got capital. And if organizations allow you those platforms and allow you those channels and mediums to really sort of experiment and do what it is that you want to do, you know, the world's your oyster. In fact, I just did an article with the Globe and Mail. I'll send it to you after this podcast in with the Globe and Mail saying that it's more, even more now so than ever before, entrepreneurship is becoming a way for companies to navigate out of the pandemic. And it's a way of the future of thinking, right? We talk about innovation, scaling innovation, like, okay, those are big buzzwords, but in entrepreneurship is really about a mindset. It's a way of operating. It comes from, that's why I wrote the book. It's like bottoms up, groundswell. You don't have to be a, a, a director or a, a VP to be an entrepreneur. It's the people who are in the front line. And you talked about incentive. Well, everybody should have an ownership mentality. And then you have to look at how company or how people are compensated, how they're recognized. At the end of the day, people want to see that their work is contributing to the advancement of their organization, right? When we talk about purpose and progress and community, that's how you build. And so building that, all of that can happen if you have the right leadership, the right uh, guiding principles to really institutionalize it. I love, I love all of that. I, I just, I love the idea. Like I said before, you know, the, the ownership thinking is not, it's, it has nothing to do with where you are hierarchy wise in the business. It has nothing to do with that. It's, it's, it's a mindset that you need to have. And if you want to be somebody who is that leader, that yeah. you want that, if you want to be that leader that you always wanted, it starts yes. with ownership thinking. Yes, it does. And like, 
you know, it's so interesting because I think you and I are sort of of the same mindset. Like we actually give, we like, we give a shit about the stuff that we do. Like we love our work because your work is, it, it's a, it's a derivative, it's a, it's a product of who you are, right? So you want to be always solving, building, creating. And so for us, you, for us, if, you know, if we're inside these organizations, you want that to sort of, you want that to simulate throughout the organization. You want people to care. People do care. But how do you actually get that into the cultural fabric of companies? And it's through programs like this where you start to, where things start to cross-pollinate and, and, and they start to make sense for, for people. But I really do believe that people, progress is key. Like I remember I did this keynote in Cincinnati and I was, uh, in front of a thousand millennials and uh, Cincinnati is the headquarters of Macy's. And I had this gentleman, young guy uh, come up to me after, and he said, uh, you know, Dr. Anand, I've been in my role for five years and I haven't done a thing and I feel awful. I don't feel good about it. And so, you know, when you start to hear talent and people, people's time, people's energy, and it's not resulting into something, we have an opportunity of turning it into something really meaningful when you start to look at how businesses are formed and how you can start to really encourage people to innovate from within. And it really, it, it really has like sort of this, this rippling effect in, 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 in multiple ways. Thinking back on the, other, the, the, the podcast that we've done so far, I think we're at like 19 or 20 now, uh, almost there. But a lot of things, a lot of the, the, I'm seeing a lot of, sentences being repeated a lot of things being repeated and one of them is is one asking why right something that yeah. you should do regardless of where you are in the, in, the, in the company and being a leader trying to or, or working towards making sure that your your team is asking why right it's not just yeah. you know it, it, should, it should be coming from both sides totally like it's interesting that you said that because as much as leaders say that they're ready to have people disagree with them you need to ask yourself if you're actually ready to have people disagree with you. Yeah. And that comes down to something we call like servant leadership, right? It's when you're like able to, and you have a high degree of self-awareness, you're a confident person, you know what you're doing and you're comfortable with, you and I have had debates and it's, <laughs> but they're healthy. We have, yeah. You know, like we talk about this whole idea of diversity of thought, but if we're not ready to respectfully have disagree with each other, then what's the point? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So when you ask, when you tell people to say, question the why, be prepared to understand the implications of what the why means. It means that you're questioning why you're doing what you're doing. And are you okay with that? And are you okay with going deeper and having your teams disagree with each other and even yourself as a leader? Yeah. We have a, a another common colleague, a friend, Marge, and uh, Marge and I actually had a, a, a little bat a while, like this was during the pandemic when everything, when every single thing on social media just got everybody like ripped yes. and, and already annoyed. And we argued about something to a point where uh, we, we stopped talking for, for a bit. And then I was like, what am, what are we doing? Like, this is so dumb. We're friends. We just disagreed on one thing. Let's talk about it a bit more and then, and have maybe a conversation about it. And then we, you know, we became friends again. Well, we never weren't friends. We just stopped talking for a bit. But, uh, and, and and it was all fixed. And and the way I see it internally and externally when it comes to, to business or, you know, personal life, I don't see an issue with having differences of opinions as long no. as you talk about it. Philip, let me ask you this. When did we become so fragile as human beings to have people disagree with you? I don't know. Like I when? I, Honestly, okay. do you let's do you know? Let's get into this a bit. Let's. I, I'm, here's my here's my here's 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 my what, what I'm thinking. I think it's just I mentioned this in the past. There's a there's a sentence: uh, strong people lead to weaker people, and then it's this kind of because it's we're so comfortable. It's like humans are looking for problems, and that also and again, it's not everybody, but if you look at the Overall, my, my father or my parents, when they were my parents, I know when I was a little kid, I was out around and uh, I don't say they didn't care because I was an only child. So for me, it's a little bit different, but I'm seeing how they're reacting to me, how I treat my children. And like, why are you being, why are you hovering so much? Right. 
And then I'm I'm seeing, you know, with the, I'm, I'm kissing 40 soon and I'm seeing younger, younger parents doing things that are even like worse than me, where I'm saying to them, how are you, like, you're hovering over them too much. You're doing too much for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's creating this, this kind of thing where my opinion matters no matter what. Well, I wouldn't disagree with that. I agree. We're like, <laughs> we're at a time right now. Well, it's interesting. Like this is all very generational because yeah. you and I, well, I'm, I'm about, I'm a decade older than you, but you know, even my parents are from India, right? Yeah. So my, my dad, my mom and dad grew up in the village and it was a very, very different environment there. And if you look at, well, it's interesting because in my book, I do talk about why are we thinking the way we're thinking? And it goes back to how we're raised. Mm-hmm. It's, we are a product of our social construct. And then those constructs are taken with us in our adult life. So your example, and with your father in Israel, is is very interesting because you grew up so differently than how we're growing up here right now. And it is translating into different kinds of behaviors. So for example, uh, curiosity, for example, which is absolutely critical in entrepreneurial thinking and quite frankly, in innovation at large, and I think in life at large, diminishes around the age of 10 to 12. Okay. And the reason being, and so we have to ask why, why does that curiosity quotient decrease? Because if you go back into the school systems and I'm right now, I'm, this is a very, very uh, point of contention with me because my kids are in the, in the school systems right now, the public school systems. And, you know, if you ask why, and, you know, they're told to, you know, their, their whys are not answered. They're told to be quiet. They're, they're looked at as disruptive. And, you know, so then, you know, by the age of 10 to 12, they, they start to mute that yeah. curiosity. It starts it's to crazy. become, you know, even if you look at babies, babies are naturally curious. We are born naturally curious. And so it, it starts off on this, you know, upward tangent, but then it starts to go down and it peaks around that age because of how we're socially sort of uh, the socialization that's happening. And so what I'm saying and what you're saying is like, we need to feed that curiosity. Like your people are your most critical asset and you want the people within your organizations to be coming to you and saying, Philip, like this is what I'm seeing in the market. These are my observation in, in, in terms of trends. Here's where I think things are breaking down, but here's where I think things are operating. And why are we doing this? And curiosity is probably the most important thing, but it's this double-edged sword because the people that come and start to question things by definition are disruptive because, you know, it's not, you know, it's, it's really how you're viewing their curiosity coming to you as the leader. Yeah. Yeah. I'm remembering the quote right now uh, that I wanted to say before it's, it's bad times leads to good men and good men leads to good times. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. And then, but good times leads to bad men. So again, I'm, I'm trying not to gender it, but that's the, I yes. think that's the saying uh, but that's like, that's, that's, that's what I feel like that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're, you know, you're saying that I'm not doing a lot of things and I'm, 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 I'm thinking so many times if I should or not, my kids are in private school right now, if, because they want to put them in like a Jewish environment and stuff like that. So it happens to be private school. And so far I haven't seen any kind of like in public, for example, I understand like there's, you know, there's no question. This is the curriculum. Don't ask me why just learn it. And shut up and go home and do your homework. Right. I haven't seen in, in, in the private school system, anything like that yet. My kids are young. Well, for those who can, who are going to see the snippets, they, they sometimes see the images here, but my, my daughter, she's turning seven in May and my son is uh, five. He turned five. Er, sorry. Yes. He turned five in December and they're still young. So, and my daughter asks me why nonstop. And because of what you just mentioned and because of, of just, Thinking about it also, I wanted to ask why as much as possible. My wife actually mentioned it uh, a while ago. She's like, I'm so lucky our daughter asks why all the time. And she's happy about it. And you know, sometimes it drives me crazy because I have like a billion things in my head. And I can't answer why sometimes. And luckily for me, I have a wife that's a little more cool-headed uh, when I'm not. Yeah, it's, it's, a good, it's a good vibe between us. And 
she's like, let her ask why. Like, let her, that, that's like the whole point. She'll totally. become a better person if she totally. keeps that up. Absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing that's really important, I would say, is the critical thinking. Like we often talk about how, oh, we've got this time problem or people are not productive and all this stuff that we're talking about. And I would argue that we have a thinking problem. Like it's not a productivity problem. It's a thinking problem. And what I mean by that is, you know, how are we actually thinking about problems, opportunities in business? Are we basing some of our critical thinking on assumptions? Um, I encourage people to use first principles thinking, which is a form of entrepreneurialism. When I, I talk about that as well, and it's can, can really we like, can we let let can we open up that a bit? Yeah, can, yeah. yeah. Can we? Open, okay. So many times, and I'm sure you can relate to this because you and I spent time in an organization together where we've heard terms like we've tried that before, it didn't work, it's going to be too expensive, too capital intensive, we don't have the right resources, it's not the right time, blah 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 blah. So you've got all these yeah. assumptions <laughs> that are made, but then you and I are like, well, hang on. Philip and I think differently. So why don't we distill this problem down to the raw data and abandon those assumptions and then try and build up? Okay, because we've got some new points of view. But as human beings, we go back to these assumptions that have already been created. And those assumptions um, may or may not be correct. But we think that we're being more productive, well, because we've already tried and tested that. But that's not true. Therefore, we have a thinking you can think more critically. And what I'm saying is go back to the raw fundamental truths. And that's, you know, like them or not, that's a, a fundamental that Elon Musk has used in the past when he has built Tesla and SpaceX. And it's like, you know, all these naysayers about how you're going to build mass electric cars. And, you know, he found a different way to do it using different data points that were based on, on fundamental truths. But, you know, you've got a whole, a whole bunch of other people that are operating on incorrect assumptions, right? So what I'm saying is we need to encourage people and within our organizations and even youth, like my kids and your kids on, okay, well, is that statement in fact true? And what have you actually done to test that fundamental idea? And then you want to go back to the data to build new knowledge. And when you do that, then that's real new valuable knowledge. Yeah. Whenever I, I have conversations, the Generations have changed when it comes to how they approach gender and all those things. We will be back after this short message. 90% of businesses fail. 10% don't. Here's why. Plans fail when you don't have the right systems and software in place. This is why we built Align, a strategic growth management software that allows you to share real-time updates and eliminate miscommunication. Align is an easy-to-use, cloud-based software with features like daily huddles, KPI dashboards, software integrations, and so much more. You can see your company's priorities, critical numbers, goals and tasks while holding everyone accountable. And all this in the palm of your hand with our mobile app. So what are your next steps? It's simple. Learn more about Align by requesting a demo at aligntoday.com. Let us make sure we land you in that 10%. Align, achieve big goals faster. When, when I have conversations about these things, and I do, I, I do talk about them, I have to explain to them, listen, I understand how you feel about something specifically. I understand that times have changed. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to fight that for a second. Yes. But I still want you to go back to the data. Yes. And I want you to look and say, hey, listen, even though you feel that this might not necessarily be the, the way, what, what makes sense. Yes. At the end of the day, the market decides not you and not a potentially a small group or, you know, it's it's the, it's a larger consensus. Yeah. The data that is created for that larger consent consensus is what actually matters if you want to sell something, unless you're focusing your efforts on a small group, that's a different yeah. story. Yeah. But if you're if you're going broad, like Microsoft, for example, yes. or Telus, or stuff like, you have to think of everybody. And the only way to do that is to look at the data and not not try to think you understand based on a specific trend that is happening at the moment, which yeah. is something that a lot of marketers, yeah, and and business owners just fall into. You know, it's so interesting. Like, I I remember being in the guts of these big companies and it's so easy to lose yourself right it's so easy to lose yourself and your way of thinking 
and your energy and your passion inside big companies. It really is. And I can see why people do, because you, in order to push work through, it takes longer. And so I remember so many times, Philip, when people would always say, no, you can't do that. You need this approval. You have to do this. The more no's I got, like, and I don't know if it's a natural, and I would love to get your point of view on it, your, if it's a natural reflex or reaction. But when people say no to me about doing something, I'm like, I'm going to find a way. Like, I'm just going to find a way. Like, I don't take, and, you know, if you want to do anything monumental in life, business-wise, personally, right? When you hear no, you just naturally don't accept no. Like, look at everything that you've done. Like, you're like, no, okay, well, I'm going to find a different path. Like, I will, I will just find a different path. But I guess what's really important is finding those pathways or trying to create those paths. That's what entrepreneurship is. It's about creating a pathway internally for people to sort of not get discouraged along their journey of work and their careers, and it's really hard to do now, particularly in today's market. And then what's happening right now is, you know, with the great resignation and you see all these people exiting in masses and people are now wanting to start their own firms. And it's hard to be a startup and, and to have, you know, to be your own. It's a lonely journey. It's a it's an expensive journey. And but, you know, when you want to build these teams and have them part of something really, really interesting and cool, you know, this work is really around to help people create those pathways. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, going back to your point though about saying no, it depends on who you are. So if yeah. you are per, so it, if you are a person that uh, that that grew up or not necessarily grew up but understands that no doesn't necessarily mean that you have to not do things. Then yes, yes your, your first instinct is there's a reptilian or, or you know uh, if you if you get, there's a reptilian mindset. When yeah. somebody says no, you always want to do it. For example, you know, in my case, if 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 a girl uh, was when I was younger, obviously I love my wife, so no, no girls now. But um, uh, uh, very, 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 very that. much. It's good that you very, said very that. much. But if 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 I felt like it was more difficult for me to 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 reach somebody or, or get a girl, I would I would want her more, or mm -hmm. I would you know if she would do something to get me to get me jealous, I'd be like you know I'd go crazy rather than understand that I shouldn't be jealous or she's not the right person for me, right? Mm -hmm. Because maybe mm -hmm. she did something that I should, she should have done uh, within a relationship based on what I feel a relationship should be. So it's something like, oh yeah, no, yes. But there also are, there, there are a lot of people and, I'm, and I'm, I'm afraid based off of what we spoke about, you know, three minutes ago, they're accepting the no's more. And what I think we need to do is one, get those people to understand that saying, you know, not accepting the no's is one thing, but how you react to them as well is another. So yeah. I don't, I don't want you to just either say yes, either either completely contradict the no and say, you know, fucking let's, I, I don't believe you. No, I, I, I'm not going to take that. No. And just go. And yeah. No. It's not, it's not that exactly. Yeah. It's more out of a place of, okay. It's not, it's not from a disrespect, right? Like right. exactly. It's not like a big fuck you. It's like, okay, I, am curious enough or inquisitive enough to think that it might be able to be done. And I want to be able to find a different way. Like, yeah. you know, I had so many projects land on my desk where people were like, that's a lemon, that's a lemon project. It's never going to be sexy. It's never going to be interesting. And I'm like, okay, well, that's your point of view. I'm going to take a look at it and see what I can extract because, yeah. you know, when you talk about diversity of thought, right, this is like different points of view. You might be, you know, you're coming from it from a different view. I'm coming from it at a different view. And maybe, you know, mine is a bit more optimistic. Yeah. So it's not about being disrespectful. It's really coming from a place of genuine interest of testing the data. Like if what you're saying is true or not, let me find out the fundamental truth so that I can make better informed decisions. And that also then comes into decision making. Like you want good data to make good decisions. Like I feel, and I don't, I would love to get your point of view. I'm very comfortable with making decisions. I'm very comfortable with making high risk decisions. I love making decisions. Uh, I find them very easy. I'm quick and I feel confident in my decisions. But that comes with, it's like an unflexed muscle. I flexed it for many years and I make sure that I have the right information 
to make the right decision. I know a lot of people who are very uncomfortable with it. I would love to get your view on that. I, I, my, my cop out to this is yes, I, I'm very similar. I always, I, I'm very similar. I, I, I can make those tough decisions and yeah. obviously not as much as you, but I've, I've, I've made a lot of them. Uh, and being in an agency as well yep. helped me kind of accelerated my, my experience just to, cause I wasn't just stuck on one company. I was stuck on like 400. Yes. Right. So it kind of pushed me forward. So I'm, 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 I'm I gave myself, it took me a while, by the way, until I, I was like, yeah, yeah I, I can, I can make those decisions, but I do have a cop out. And my copping out is let's test it. No, that's that, okay. That's not a cop no, out. No, no, no. That's I, not I a call cop it out a, at all. I, I know. It's what I call a cop out because what I what I would say is if somebody would disagree with me a lot of times, and this is what I did when I when I was uh, lower in the totem pole uh, okay. hierarchy wise, what I would say is I understand that you want to do it this way because of your experience. Obviously, I wasn't as experienced back then. Yeah. And I also do it now, by the way, when it's reverse. Okay. Uh, and I'll and I'll, 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 I'll explain the wording in a second. But but I would like to try something out for two to four weeks. Yeah. Is is that something? Can we do that? And worst case, I buy you beer because I'm wrong or, you know, whatever, <laughs> non-alcoholic drink, depending on the, what the person likes, coffee. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And what I do today and, and Haley and Julia, who are producing right now, listening in the background, I they know what I tell them is this is the way I've I've done it and I've seen it work until now. But. I am the first person to say, let's test it out. If it's email okay. marketing, if it's, if, it's, if it's an ad, if it's any of those things, I am the uh, first person to tell them, let's test it. So if there's anything, well, in, to, in, to, in addition to understanding what entrepreneurship and getting people in your company to become the, I really want people to, to, I really want leaders that are listening to this to understand that testing out isn't a bad thing. And it's also okay to be wrong because the market shifts all the time especially if you're in an agency, for example. Yeah. You never know. Every every single product it has a different audience and that audience not doesn't necessarily react the exact same way as the audience, even in the same niche. Yeah. For ex like, it can, let's, let's take a candle niche. Uh, you know, we also have a, a common friend, Frank. You know, he's, it's, he's working on candles and I worked on it. I worked, worked candles with him a bit. And uh, Frank Verley, by the way. Just in case you're. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's two Franks actually, right? The, uh, if we're talking about uh, our, where we, when we did work together, even in that niche, right? They were Neo Lux candles, right? So it's a different audience. They react differently than just your random five dollar candle you can pick up at Winners or whatever, yeah. right? Uh, at Walmart. So people need to understand that you have to test things out because yeah. you never know what your audience will like until you know. Yes. Let me ask you this. I've been trying to think about like, you know, as I turn 50 this year, I don't know if it's from midlife crisis or what it is, but like, you know, why? And I'm writing my second book, which is on the neuroscience of innovation. So looking at your brain, I'm very fascinated by the brain and all of the things that are released when we're being creative, problem solving, when we were under stress, sort of how does our body internalize that and how do we manifest that and utilize that for for the good and so my question to you is you were born and raised in israel and and uh you have immigrant or they're not even immigrants your, your parents are from israel and my parents i was you know are from india and i think back to my childhood i didn't have any fears and we i talked a little bit how you know we're we take these formative traits and we bring them into the workforce. Like I never had fear of being wrong. Like I, even as a young child, and I would love to hear your experiences. I was always encouraged to like try things. And if you failed, I wasn't like, I, nobody embarrassed me and said, okay, well you tried it. It didn't work. So what did you learn from it? And then just try again. Like there was no, we didn't, we, we never got stuck on it. It was just like, uh, okay. oh, okay, well, that happened. So what did you learn? Great, now move on. So what do you want to try next? Do you know what I mean? And it was like this way, and I don't know if it was because we grew up with no money. My dad is an immigrant. So his whole life, he was it was trial and error. His whole life was trial and error. You know, even though he was a principal at a, at a school, you know, he was trying to figure out how to live this life from, you know, in, in a new country but most of what he was doing was trial and error. And so I, that's what I saw, right? Trial and error. Well, you try something, 
you learn and then you keep going, go to the next. Okay. Well, and there was no shame in it. There was no, you know, that's just kind of how we operated because it was out of necessity. And then it was out of a place of growth. So I think I took that. I saw it. Like we learn from, we learn from what we see. So I would love to know what did you like, did, do you think about that? And is that something that res like that resonates with you? So, yes. So for me, one question before I, I go, when you say nobody was stuck on it, you mean you're el like elders, people you cared that they yeah. said it, right? Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so for me, for clarification, for people that, that are listening, I was born in Canada, but I lived like I lived about 20 years in Israel. All right. So, uh, and my parents are Israeli. So they were, they, they did move to Canada when I was born. And then, then I moved, then I moved there for, 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 for a while and then came back a couple of years ago. That's why I don't have an accent. I think what made me to who I, who I am, because I'm an only child. Mm -hmm. And I also, I, I grew up pretty much with a silver platter because I'm an only child. My mom couldn't make any more kids after me. It was, it was this whole thing. And um, so I grew up, but when I went to Israel and I went into the uh, military, which I was there for about three and a half years uh, before, before the reserves, that time period mm -hmm. kind of put me in perspective. And then what some people learn when they uh, are younger with parents that teach them, teach them what your parents kind of like your, how, how your parents taught you. Yeah. I kind of learned it in a crash course. And uh, the fact that the weight of things, for example, things that bother other people don't bother me at all. Like what, for example? Like, like if I had a bad day at work, like, yes, it sucks for that day, but then I'm like, yeah, but I'm not dead. And tomorrow's a new day. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's, that's where, that's where my mind always goes. Like mm -hmm. because of the experiences that I had in my, in the military, it's like, I'm alive. Mm. Right. When you kind of realize that you're alive and, yeah. and being in the Western world, regardless of what people think about the States and Canada and, you know, how fucked up things are because yes they are pretty fucked up mm. if depending on who you like who you are and how you can how you how you look at things mm. but what's great about this world is there's always a way to get out of that situation mm -hmm. and for me being alive is the start always to getting out of those situations so if you had a bad day at work bad week bad month you got fired you know how many times I've been, I've been in the last two years because of the economy and weird crap happening to me where I've, I've, you know, I've either been let go because of some weird circumstance. You know, I may cry. Yes. I may cry for like 30, 40 seconds. And then I metaphorically sometimes physically slap myself in the face and say, hey, listen, you're still alive. You're still have, luckily you still have a roof over your head food is still, you know, still in the fridge, do something to move things forward. And I mm -hmm. think that's for me, what has made me understand it. Now I know other people haven't gone through things that I have gone through, but as the human race, one of the great things that we have is empathy. Mm -hmm. And I really think that if people look at other people's situations that are not yeah. as, as great as theirs, for example, not in the Western world, yeah, I don't want to start talking about what's happening in Africa or, you know, mm -hmm. until today, what's happening in China, what's happening in, in really, really disgust, like the places themselves are disgusting, but the things that are happening there are, you can say, okay, wait a second. I'm not there, right? You don't have to go all the way down to my level where I'm still alive, right? Because I could have been dead yesterday, but you know, I'm not there. I'm here. There's a way to get out of the situation that I'm in. And I think that's mm -hmm. kind of, that's how, that's, that's what I think of whenever I'm down. Yeah uh and out that's that's my my, yeah. my thought process yeah it's interesting it's like always looking at it's putting things in perspective and not not being so focused on yourself and just looking at other circumstances which i think to, is to reverse yeah to reverse the usual uh saying about the grass is greener on yeah the grass is greener on my fucking lawn yeah like, you know what i mean like yeah. it is it is greener on my lawn depends you know I, yeah. I, obviously depends on which lawn i'm looking at but I could, there's always, there's always going to be a lawn that has less greener grass. So my lawn is greener, mm -hmm. right? That's how I, that's how I think of it, I guess. So it gets me hyped up. <laughs> let me ask you this. Like, have you, what is your experience on the role of leadership as it relates to entrepreneurship? Like you love the concept and have you come across leaders that are open to, you know, this sort of thinking, adopting this way of being? Do you think that it's just lip service? Like, I'm curious to know what your experiences have been. Luckily, right now at Align, 
it's it's that. So our, our CEO is very, very open to letting anybody uh, develop and the leadership in, 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 as a whole. They're very, very open to letting people develop anything that they want to. So I am right now in a situation where it is like this, although it's a lot of lip service. A lot of people just say it. And then when time comes around because they didn't, they didn't, they didn't put into consideration the time it takes to create something. Yeah. They're like, okay, what are the numbers? What are the numbers? What are the numbers? And then the numbers aren't really great. And then it's like, okay, you got to stop doing what you're doing. You can't, you know, you can't, you can't produce anything new. And then, and then it becomes lip service, right? Mm -hmm. It's like they, on one hand they said it and the other hand, but we need, we need numbers, numbers, numbers. Yeah. I know that there are leaders out there, but there are a lot less than what people would think. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Right. Every, every startup, every startup founder, you know, when they start, when they start up, get their first 20 million or whatever, they're like, yeah, we need people, but it just, it just, unfortunately, sometimes the people that need to be leaders aren't as both you and I know, <laughs> it's unfortunate. I'm, I'm, I'm now fortunate that, that this isn't the situation, but uh, it, it's, it's been a while. It's been a while. Interesting. Interesting. Do you feel any different? Um, I feel like we're in a bit of a leadership crisis. I, I think yeah. that the world is, you know, coming out of COVID really also highlighted the fact that, you know, there's a bunch of misinformation that's being spewed in the world. Look at, you know, all of these, the founders and CEOs of startups and the, and the, and the different, um, you know, things with FTX. And then you've yeah. got, you know you know, so many different financial scandals all over, and even yeah. just working with some companies and seeing how they operate, you know, politically, you know, across the world. It's just, I think we're in, have a leadership crisis. But what I do think is interesting right now is I do think that businesses have an opportunity to step up, but, you know, you're also seeing a mass exodus of women in, in leadership positions, mass exodus. So, I don't know what the solution is, to be honest with you right now, Philip. I do know that there is a huge need for authentic people that are human, that care about people. You know, you're seeing this aftermath of massive layoffs in the tech sector and people are angry. And, you know, the question then becomes like, are we doing things the right way? Are we, you know, there's this whole, you know, sort of narrative on culture and culture is not just having you know, foosball tables and coffee and, and beer, you know, culture is something that you breed from within. It's your behaviors. It's how you treat people. And, you know, everything looks great and it's a facade on the inside, but you don't really know what's happening inside organization and the guts of a company until you get inside the company. And then that's when things start to reveal. And so, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of work to be done. For women out of out of leadership positions, what I hope is happening yeah. is that they are leaving to open something of their own. They and are not necessarily just okay. No, so if they are. They so are if, right in that situation. I'm not. It's not a bad thing. It's just a, a, a like a little lull in the in in the stats, I guess, mm -hmm. for now. So if, if if that being the reason, I am I'm happy that it's happening. Right. It's not. It's not necessarily a. a uh, a, a bad thing. Maybe in the in the immediate it is, but well, if they are building their own thing. But the point is that they're leaving Fortune 500 companies because there's no pathway for them. So they're going to go build their own thing, which I, I understand what you're saying, but right. it's also sending a signal to the market that the system is broken. <laughs> which is also a good thing. So they fix it. Well, you would hope. We yes. hope, right? Yes. We hope that that would be the case. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I feel that in the, the startup, again, depends on, we, we had to talk about this. It depends on, on, on there's, there's, I don't want to get too much into it, but I, I really think that there are places, uh, there, there are niches industries right now where there's still the bro, the bro mentality, which drives me bananas. Drives me bananas. Yeah. Yeah. But it is getting better. It's not like we're, we're stagnant and I don't know about that. I, I feel you. And I know why you're saying this, but, uh, uh, and we won't get into it right now. It is podcast. We don't have too much time either, Yeah. but, uh, and I, and I know where you're coming from because it's, I, 
it's kind of like, do you know, so okay, I'll, get, I'll give a great example. There's all these train wrecks that have happened lately that have been, that have been uh, on the media, correct? With uh, East Palestine and, and uh, but with these hazardous things. We're hearing about these train wrecks a lot now, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did a little research because I was like, this can't just be happening now. Because this is me, you know, saying, oh, I, 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 I can't also, when it comes to media, I just can't anymore. Like, I do not watch any mainstream media. It doesn't matter which side, left, right, you know, whatever. I don't. I can't. And what I found out was anywhere between eight, 10 to 18,000, there's between 10 to 18,000 derailments a year mm-hmm. in the United States. We just don't ever talk about it. Mm-hmm. Right. And what I think is happening is uh, in, in your situation specifically, and maybe in mine for, in the reverse, is that you are seeing that bro mentality a lot. And I'm not just because of the experiences that I'm going through in the companies that, well, actually, that's not true. I actually have seen it a few times, but not as much. Right. <laughs> it's funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we we mm-hmm. talked about it and there, there's definitely a, a, something happening in, in, a, in a company that I used to work with. But I think just because maybe I'm seeing it a little bit less and you're seeing a little bit more, that's why our, we're having a different we have a different view to it. But uh, but yeah, I, I I really hope that I'm right and you're wrong in this situation, or at least it's a little more leaning to my end because we can't we're not. It's not the 1950s and the 1950s, even when it's 1950s, shouldn't have been 1950s. But, you know, it's not then. And I really think that leaders today should understand the value of everybody regardless. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's proven. Like there's no, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not just saying that to throw it a headline here. Yeah. It is proven that diversity helps. Absolutely. And it's not just diversity of the physicality. Of course. Like it's really diversity of thought. And I think that that's, what's important is when you're thinking about people's point of views etc etc it's really around like you have different experiences which i respect and i want to know about because they're going to present a different point of view and that's how we learn and that's how we make better business decisions because of how you think and the things that you've done but where we're getting stuck is on the physicality of it it's just like you know let's take away i had this conversation just i did another podcast just last week with brian crombie like, let's focus on people's human capabilities and skills, period. And less about my physicality. It's really about my, what, do I, what have I done? What do I, what are my experiences? And how is that going to help make your organization or your project better based on what I've learned, et cetera, right? That's what we have to, yeah. it's, it's a- I 100% agree with you. I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I'm sure. totally on your side of things. But somebody could come back to you and say something like, the physicality is what actually for is is what has formed a person's mindset because of like their mindset is formed because of the physicality. It's kind of this almost chicken and egg scenario. Yeah. Right. So people say if you are a certain way, that means you must think a certain way. If you are a certain way, see that's not right. I know, but that's not right. This is me playing devil's advocate right here. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I don't agree with it, but yeah, you know, I have to I have to play the other side here. I agree. You know, because then you're making an assumption about how somebody is, and that's just not right. right. That's not exactly. Cool. You know, I you're making an assumption based on me, the way I look, the way I dress, the way I am, without actually yeah. having a conversation with me, right? And that's yes. I mean, look, like that's the world that we live in. We 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 are very judgy. We have labels and all this stuff. We're biased. We biases, yeah. We've got all this stuff. So, you know, it's hard. We have to try and, like I said. Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting topic for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, we're already we're already a little past our the time we usually do these podcasts. Yeah, let's. I want to I want to close this off with asking you uh, this question: if, if there's one thing yeah. that you'd like to tell yourself about 20 years ago before you started your your journey, maybe not 20, maybe a little bit less than that. Yeah. But when you started your journey in leadership, what would that be? Yeah, I have an answer because I've I've been reading about that. I would say that the most important thing that you can do for yourself is to have confidence and as and as basic as that seems it's so critical is to be confident in your capabilities your skills the things that you want to do how far you want to push yourself on all of the things that you want to do because confidence leads to you know is really creates the pathway for how you want to create your career path, 
uh, or any initiatives. And I, and I've been trying my best to instill confidence in my children. And I think it's the best thing that you can do for your kids because that they're all very foundational right now in how they're forming themselves. And you want to give them confidence. You know, what, what, what distinguishes, uh, and I've done a lot of reading on this, pe but people who are successful from not successful is that they have the confidence and the courage and the boldness to do what they wanted to do. So if I, you know, when I knew that when I was 15 years old, you know, to be confident and, you know, th that's really something that I developed later in life through a lot of work. And so, you know, I would, I would say that and give that message to anybody who's in their careers is around being confident in their decisions, their capabilities, their skills, and whatever they feel that, that, that they, they want to do or, or want to continue doing. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that um, people, I think that confidence can't be taught. No, there are very few people. There are very few no. people that can't be taught confidence. Every, yes. most people can be taught confidence. They can be taught to be okay with a no. Yes. And how to deal with it. And that's yeah. what gives, that's what gives you confidence. Yeah. That's what gives you the real confidence. Doctor. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank uh, you. I, I really appreciate it. I want to thank Dr. Chitranand once again. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sea Sweet and Sour. If you found anything particularly interesting, and there's a lot of things interesting in this in, in this podcast, feel free to, to, to share. Remember, sharing is caring. Uh, be sure to stay tuned and sign up for notifications on your favorite podcast platform or on aligntoday.com slash podcasts. We have very interesting respected guests coming up like Jeff Wadholm from uh, Meridian Link, Rich Armstrong from Great, Great Game of Business, and Herb Cogliano from Aspire Growth Advisors. Last but not least, if you'd like to be a guest on C-Suite and Sour, feel free to contact us at marketing at aligntoday.com. Chitra, is there anything else you want to leave? Anybody wants to contact you? Uh, obviously, the, the, we can push the book. Anything oh, else? Yeah, I mean, I can be found on LinkedIn, on Twitter. If you have any questions, please, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to always uh, make connections for sure. All right, amazing. And uh, as I always say at the end, have a great day, everyone, and let's get shit done.